we'll go back to our subject. We might get through it one day. <laughs> we have been looking at the attacks of Satan over history, Old Testament, New Testament, and uh, his attacks since the cross. We noted them last time against the scriptures, the saints, the selected nation and the church. And now his attack, attack presently, his attacks presently, and that's in the in the bulletin in the the loose leaf. Um, <clears throat> and we do that tonight, and maybe go a little further. Let's pray before we do. Dear Lord, we thank you that we have protection from the enemy through the victory won at the cross, what you've accomplished for us. And we can and should put on the whole armour of God as it tells us in these verses to do so. Bless the word and the fellowship to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, Christian and his battles. Yeah. And we're looking at um, his present attacks, or his attacks presently on unbelievers. Who knows what that verse there that's written down, Second Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 4 talks about. That's it. He's blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And we read there, if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden from them that are lost. This is the people we're witnessing to. This is the people we're handing tracts out to. This is the people we work with. The lost people, they're everywhere. And who's keeping them in the dark? Who's blinding their soul? Satan. You see, as long as he can do that, they're his. Because Ephesians 2 plainly tells us that. That they're his children. We, are, we were all children of the devil. And he can keep them. But he does not want anyone to have the light of the glorious gospel shine unto them. And he keeps them in the dark in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. This is what we battle against when we witness and testify for the Lord, when we <clears throat> do all we can to reach out to unsaved people, blinded by Satan, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Can you imagine, be, uh, even as a human being, knowing that something will greatly benefit another human being, but you withhold that from them. And it might be medicine. It might, it's within your power to do you know, something. So Satan does that to human beings. He withholds heaven from them. This is his attack on mankind, isn't it? Presently and for the church age, and for, well, for as long as man's been here, that's his goal to stop people seeing the truth. And that's what we are battling against, whom we're battling against. Unless the light of the glorious gospel. Pray that God's glorious gospel by the power of the Spirit, when we testify for him, would reach into the hearts and that the light would shine. And it's when a person becomes a Christian, it's like the light's turned on. <laughs> ah, I see. And it... It's wonderful to see a person get saved and see the light come on. Satan doesn't want that. He wants to drag as many to hell for eternity with himself. That's just as mean as you can be. As mean as you can be. To want people to, to go to that torment. 
he, he, he's made his choice. He knew way back there in his rebellion against God what would happen. <clears throat> and now he's holding those back. So there we have it on unbelievers. Unbelievers, the Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. It's in that little outline. <clears throat> I know, yep, this is talking about the tribulation. And then I think in these verses, it talks of, gives him the most names you could probably think of. And it starts really at verse 7. There was war in heaven, Michael, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And a great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, Satan, whosoever, or who deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a voice from he heaven saying, saying in heaven, sorry, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. So what's he doing presently against believers? He's accusing the brethren. It's, and, and then he's cast down out of that place. He's cast down who accused them before our God day and night. Now, is Satan omnipresent or is he just present in one place? Present in one place. So he is going back to accuse us often, day and night. Now, they can get around quick, uh, these angels, fallen angels, demons and good angels, but <clears throat> back and forward, trying to accuse all the multitude of brethren that are living on the earth. And uh, what's the answer of the Lord to him when he accuses you? I see them, Father sees us through his son's blood cleansed. And um, as an illustration, I've tried it a long time ago, Mrs. Furlong used it at Emerald. And she taught RI into her 90s at the Emerald State School. <clears throat> and she had a clean bit of paper and a big red blotch on it, the texture. And she'd ask the kids, what, what can you see? Well, it was a big red spot. <laughs> then she put red cellophane in front of it. What do you see? It's gone. Because <laughs> the red cancels out the red somehow. And she talked about that as being <clears throat> the Father seeing our sins as cleansed through the blood of Christ. My son died for their sins, he can declare to Satan. Um, Hebrews chapter 2. And we've been through a broader in a broader sense some of these thoughts but not looking at these actual verses in Hebrews 2 and verses 14 and 15 <clears throat> we find <clears throat> for us much, much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also likewise himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And uh, <clears throat> he wants us to fear, doesn't he? Satan wants us to fear. God wants us to have faith. God wants us to see afar off. God wants us to see the future. <laughs> Satan wants us to see the present, all the problems that are around us. And how often do we get overcome by, by those things that seem to press on us and against us? 
and Satan's hand is against us. We've, we've left his family. <laughs> we've chosen to do that. And he doesn't like those that have done that to him. And he would like to instill fear and fright in us. But praise God, <clears throat> God strengthens us. Um, James chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> we read there, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. This is He's attacking us. We need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a great promise, isn't it? <laughs> Resist the devil. How? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Draw near to God. Abide in his word. Abide in him. John 15. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And drawing nigh to God, you don't have a problem. He will flee from you. And we'll see that in a testimony in a minute. Job is an instance where we know that Job 1 and I think it's chapter 2, the two occasions where Satan attacked the believer Job. First Peter, we're in the territory there. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 9. All familiar verses. But this is the, describing the attacks presently of the enemy. Verses 7 to 9, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. <clears throat> Cast your care upon him. Trust him for protection. But be sober, be vigilant. And um, we ask the question when we come to this portion, have you ever had to be vigilant because there was present danger where you were at some time? I'm not talking of the devil, just physical danger where you've had to be. And <clears throat> your senses are alert, your adrenaline glands are working, and you're very much in any noise or that. Yeah, and I think Christians should be like that. <laughs> filled with the spirit of God and very alert and attentive because the devil is about and round to deceive us, to tempt us to sin, to deceive us into false doctrine and as never before because we have access to so much information that's, that's fake news as Trump says, <laughs> even in spiritual circles that it is in the internet. I'll be careful. Uh, <clears throat> I need to take heed to that song. I'd be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear, because the devil wants to deceive you. <clears throat> I was preparing this and read an article, and this is another way we can be attacked. It's the, entitled "The Frustration of a Busy Life," or the another one I, 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 I've heard, "The Barrenness of a Busy Life." And many years ago, my father wanted to prune his apple and pear trees. He told me to cut out a lot of the small shoots from the branches. He told me that they were hindering the tree from producing larger and more luscious fruit. This is a tremendous analogy to many of the Lord's people. We are running in every direction with all kinds of responsibilities and opportunities. We are in constant motion. Many of us are not aware that the busyness, this busyness can be a trap by the unseen powers of darkness. 
to hinder us in being more effective for the Lord. And I can say yes to that. And a number of years ago, I read this article entitled The Barrenness of a Busy Life. Uh, that's where I, it was in my mind. The author stated, Satan called a worldwide convention. In the opening address to his evil spirits, he said, we can't keep true Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from having conservative values. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, abiding relationship and experience with Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church, let them read their Bibles, <clears throat> let them have a conservative lifestyle, but steal their time so they do not have the time of an to have an intimate fellowship with Christ. This is what I want you to do. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Convention in, in, on, in hell, you might say. You need to take heed to that. And this ought to alert many of us to the wiles of the devil. Second Corinthians says, lest Satan should get advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. Chapter 2 and verse 11. And remember the story of Mary and Martha in the Gospel of Luke, chapter, two, chapter 10 and verse 38 and following. It reads, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part. It's exactly the barrenness of a busy life. <laughs> How many find themselves very busy many times? <laughs> we all do. The necessities, that they press upon us. It's got to be done. <laughs> it's got to be done. <clears throat> Two things that Martha was guilty of. She was encumbered with much serving and troubled, troubled about many things. And it might be said and could be said about us that there are the two things. We're troubled about many things. And we're, troubled, we're, we're doing much service. You know the, the thing that you have if you have pet mice, the Lord forbid. <laughs> but they have that little circle thing. And they get on there and they run, run on it. And it's like a treadmill and go nowhere. It's like you on your treadmill, I suppose. <clears throat> Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, warned of the danger of allowing the demands of his life to keep us from maintaining our lives, from maintaining the vineyard of our fellowship with Christ. You see, if we abide in him and he in us and we have intimate fellowship, we ask and he will give us because we ask in his will, because we know what his will is when we're close to him. But if we're too busy to know what his will is and to know what his word is, and we're not spending that time with him, he doesn't empower us for service. Oswald Chambers cautioned in this article, said, Worshipping God is a great essential of fitness, spiritual fitness. 
If you have not been worshipping, when you get into the work, you will not only be useless yourself, but a tremendous hindrance to those who are associated with you. He said, I have personally stated that my walk with the Lord is more important than my ministry. If the Lord Jesus Christ does not have preeminence in my life, then my ministry will always lack its effectiveness and impact on others. This is a great struggle, isn't it? We face in, the, in this modern era of so many things that get and demand our attention. And you try to think back into times when they had horses and carts. Well, they would have been probably as busy, but in a different area. Feeding the horses, grooming the horses, getting the saddles fixed, you know. We have to fix our cars and do this and that. But they had other things. But we all can be too busy. Workaholics. Instead of just like Mary, stopping and listening to the Lord as he speaks from his word. As he speaks to us in our devotional time. <clears throat> The Lord said in Mark 6.31 to, to his disciples, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had, not so, they had no leisure so much as to eat. So that's pretty busy, isn't it? And the Lord said, Stop. <laughs> Come aside. Um, get, get things sorted out. <laughs> get right with the Lord. <laughs> And so we have that. Back to Ephesians. We're back, we're back in Ephesians. And that was four weeks on verse 10. But no, just going away from verse 10 on the attacks of the, <coughs> of the evil one. Oh, the last one, sorry, the last one I didn't do there was Revelation 20, verse 7 to 10. <clears throat> and that one talks in that outline, his attacks presently on unbelievers, <laughs> believers, on a th something that's going to happen in the future where Satan's bound for a thousand years, then he's loosed. So what does he immediately do? Goes out and persuades the nations to fight against God. He, he wastes no time. And so we need to pray for our government because they're under attack and they don't know that they're under attack. Most governments wouldn't have a clue that they're under attack from the devil unless they're believing people, unless they're believing people in the government, individuals. So we need to pray for them. And that time, the amazing thing is that many people, multitudes, follow him. After all the blessings they receive for the thousand years, knowing the history of where we're at and what's going to happen in the near future and the tribulation and the locking up of the devil, knowing all that, they still follow him. You know, that's how wily he is. Let's not think that we cannot be attacked and overcome by this wily one, this wicked one, and all his devices. Take heed. When you think, you stand... You can fall. You can fall big time. It's usually after a good victory that God gives it. Many people fall and fail because of the enemies there to, to pounce. Um, <clears throat> describing the enemy, it starts there in verse 10. We've looked at that bit, the exhortation. And now look at the enemy in verse 11 of Ephesians 6. 
put on the whole armour of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. <clears throat> the enemy, our protection, the whole armour of God. How well do you think Paul knew about the armour of a soldier? How well did he, did he actually wear the armour of a soldier? The Romans didn't know. But often he was what? Chained to one. <laughs> it chained to them, like, you know, what do you call us? Handcuffs. <laughs> what do you call them? Shackles. Shackles, yeah, okay, in that day. <clears throat> he could have looked up and down, he had a close look <laughs> at the Roman soldier's armour. And so the Lord led him to write what he did here, knowing it full well. He can say, oh, around the back, they've got nothing around there. <laughs> On the side, I can, I can nudge him. I could see it all the time, so he was well aware. <laughs> and, and what a good one for young people that is being used often, dressing up the people and just using a whole lesson to do one part, part of the armour there. <clears throat> so there's the enemy and our protection from him. And Paul knew it well. He was a bit of a jailbird, as we say, being often in the company of soldiers and centurions. And so Roman armour protected the soldier's body. Christian armour protects the Christian soul. God doesn't throw us into the battle unprotected. He provides protection of mind, heart, soul, spirit, conscience and will. But we must put on the whole armour piece by piece, deliberately, thoughtfully, doing each strap up, not leaving anything undone, and something faulty, fix it. And so we do need to do that. This is what I've called God's O, H and S for Christian workers, occupational health and safety. It's a new term, new mo but this is what it is, right in that portion 12 to 17. We won't start it tonight because, you know, we won't end <coughs> for a long time. And so there... It's given for our protection that we might go. Are we wearing the protection? Sometimes do we drop our guard, our shield of faith? I pray we have it up all the time.